0-2 to Bogey. Duran at second. Verdugo at first. Here's the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Deep to left center field. Back toward the monster. It is gone! Three-run home run for Xander Bogarts. What a jolt for the Red Sox. 3-1 Boston thanks to the X-Men. Whitlock throws. Swing and a chopper to the right side of the mound. Whitlock to his right. Bare hands. Throws to first. In time. Ball game over. And the Red Sox win it 4-2. Can you believe it? That's the sound of last night on the Shaw's and Star Market. WEEI Red Sox Network. Of course, you can listen to us and Red Sox baseball on the Odyssey app. Free to download. Just download it to the device of your choice. Real, real easy. They won on Joe Castiglione night. Roger Clemens was there. David Ortiz. I mean, you had all kinds of all the dignitaries were out for right. Joey C. The Big Cheese. I wonder if that. I wonder if the guy ran that radio station that forced him to go by Bob Russell was also there as well. Probably like when Michael Jordan brought his high school coach that caught him. That's right. And he's like, you made me change my name. He brings him out, points at him. I'd be unbelievable. I don't know if Joe would do that, though. He's not that kind of nah, guy. No, it doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. No. Do you no. think there is, because everybody has at least one person on their list, do you think there's one person that if we got Joe Castiglione in the uh, truth serum moment that he just thinks is a real son of a bitch? Could be but Will Fleming. I won't say it. It could be Will, could be Will I, well, Fleming. come on now. <laughs> Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, the guy who uh, you heard there in the final call of last night's game and even used a Joey C, the Big Cheese signature end line, our guy Will Fleming. Will, good morning. How are you? God, you guys finally solved the riddle. I'm the one guy Joey's not <laughs> We like, sniffed it out. You're yeah. the one. You're the guy. you guys this long to figure that out. Man. <laughs> So uh, walk us through what last night was like for you being the a guy who sits beside Joe Castiglione every night. And I know we'll get to the win and the team and all that stuff, but for our guy Joe Castiglione, uh, just honors, well-deserved, and just kind of walk it through what it was like from uh, your point. It's like working with the king, right? It is. So, I mean, I've been looking forward to this night for a long time because I, I really, as someone who's paid to speak for a living, it is hard to put into words – Number one, what it's like to work with Joe, but number two, what he's meant to me as a person. And so it's hard for me to sort of disentangle those two things. Um, and yesterday was kind of a culmination of all of that. Um, it started to hit me, guys, in the pregame show as Mutt and I tried to talk about it and put it into words and, and think about his preparation and his generosity and his enthusiasm and happiness around the ballpark at all times, which is, by the way, the reason so many players and managers and coaches revere him the way that they do there's just not an ounce of bitterness in him um i thought that once they started the video i have to be honest with you guys i started to get very emotional about it because on a number of levels i mean joe has been so kind and selfless to me he's been a mentor he's helped me ease into the major leagues he's the best first partner you could ever hope for he's without ego he's just taught me so many things he's also become one of my dearest and closest friends in the entire universe um, yeah, exactly. Um, but once they started doing the, the video tribute, and, and, and actually once they started playing the highlights of all the Red Sox moments, here's what is crazy about it. I mean, it's a soundtrack to the last 20 years of winning for the Red Sox, and I couldn't take my eyes off both Joe 
and the Red Sox dugout. And I'm telling you guys, I think it had a tangible impact on the players in those uniforms in the dugout. Cutter Crawford told us it did after the game. He said, we thought, started thinking to ourselves, why can't we be one of those groups? Why can't we have some of these highlights and, and this season? And, and I thought just watching Joe standing next to those guys, reliving all those moments, um, you know, seriously, cheesiness aside, it was a really emotional time, and uh, it was really cool to watch him be honored the way that he was. 40 years is so crazy, Will. And, and uh, as a Red Sox fan, you know, we're lucky to have a guy do it for so long. I mean, he's been doing it longer than I've been alive. So like, literally every right. Red Sox memory I have, Joe called that game. right? Or Joe was doing it that season, whether they were horrible or whether they were winning the World Series and everything in between. Can you even put that in perspective? You've been doing the Red Sox now a couple of years. You've been in broadcasting even longer. But to do one team yeah. for 40 years, like I, I, it, it's unbelievable. It is, and it's a testament to him, to the Red Sox, to, to EEI, to Entercom and Odyssey, to all the people who gave him the opportunity to, to keep doing it. Um, you know, it, that's the other thing, right? We watched all these highlights last night, and it's it's remarkable. We all have so many opinions about all broadcasters. It's such a subjective thing, whether you love or hate somebody. But but the thing about all those moments last night it, is Joe rose to the occasion at all those big moments. Like, there's not one of them, from David Ortiz's 500th home run to the World Series calls to the no-hitters, where he doesn't just meet the moment. Uh, and and that's, that's really a testament to him. You know, you hear it all the time uh, from people that I run into all across New England. They just talk about all the times they brought radios into bed to listen to Joe or they're out you know, on the lake house in Maine, down the Cape, listening to Red Sox baseball. And they really what's so powerful about it is people cannot – you know, dissociate Joe's voice from Red Sox baseball. Mm-hmm. One, they're just one and the same to people, and it's just a remarkable, remarkable thing that uh, that he's gifted so many people in this area. Yeah, Will, I don't want to besmirch any of your uh, compatriots or, uh, you know, colleagues on other teams, but you're right. With Joey C, there isn't uh, – Look at where you are. So you remember where you are. <laughs> no, there are like final calls yeah, yeah. or anything. By the way, like how that. about that? How about that? That you set that up. It's your own call, and you screw it up in the World oh. Series. I mean, isn't that the greatest thing? And by the way, that's the power of not scripting these things. If you're not thinking right. about it, remember it has a better chance are. of going well. So you remember where you are. <laughs> oh, no, man. and that's the that's the other thing too. And oh, like, man. and not to name any names or anything, will, but no. Gresh, but Gresh brings up a point where, and not just baseball. It's all sports where. There might be a really familiar voice, but by the end, you're just like, well, it's, it's nice that they're still doing it. But, no, he's still good at it. Yes. Like, he's still doing the good calls. Like, we were doing side-by-sides last year where, you know, there's some of these debatables. Like, oh, is it a home run or is it a double? And let's just say some broadcasters didn't have it right. And yeah. meanwhile, Joe's <laughs> nailing it, right? Joe's exactly. got it right. And, like, it's not, just, it's not just like a farewell tour where you're like, oh, let's just humor the guy who's no. been doing it a long time. Like, nope. He's, he's still got his A game. It's crazy. Well, so that's a really good point. He told me that Ken Coleman told him his first year, here's the number one rule of being at Fenway Park, wait. And and I've taken mm. that to heart, and it's so true. Like, you hear last night, right, the one that Xander hits, off the bat, my heart is telling me, that thing's gone, man. But Bogart's power's been a little bit down. The monster's the monster. So you have to wait till the last minute to kind of go crazy and say, man alive, that's an enormous home run. And, and just – that's one thing that Dave O'Brien told me, too, early in my time. He said, you know what you need to do? Pay attention to what Joe does on a ball off the wall in the outfield. 
And so I've started to do that. And what's crazy about it is the level of detail and precision and accuracy in that moment is almost better than anybody I've ever heard do it. You know, it's like that thing is just to the left of the WB Mason sign at Caroms, the second hop off the warning track. Verdugo spins, turns, throws <laughs> just to the right of third. You know, that kind of detail where, you know, after 40 years, he's still got that ability to nail the details and the particulars, which, by the way, on the radio for baseball is about the most important thing. You're trying to paint a picture for people who are aren't in the ballpark. So among his many gifts, I really think that that's, that's right near the top of the list. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would also like to see the photo of uh, Dave O'Brien and you having a conversation because Dave's a friend and I can say this. He's like Costanza in the Timberlands. 5'8", five, 5'7", five, 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 Luckily, six, we were whatever. seated. We were seated, so we were eye to eye. Yeah. Uh, man, Will Fleming, uh, of course, part of the Red Sox, uh, Red Sox network here on WEI. And uh, what is – the mood around this team right now. We're trying to figure out what they're going to do at the trade deadline. We hear that Xander Bogarts has said he's been told he's not being traded. You know, you're you're in last place, but you're still 500. There's just a lot of uncertainty right now. So what is it like being around this group right now, Will? Well, it's interesting because I it's changed for me in the last week. Where and it's amazing because they played poorly during this week. I, I a week ago I would have said there are going to be a lot of guys gone, but then for whatever reason, being around them, I just don't feel that way anymore. And I I thought what Xander said last night was really telling. You know, this guy is the most accountable, credible, likable, sincere person. And it, you know, it's funny people just hadn't asked him about the trade deadline and whether he talked to the Red Sox about it, and they finally did last night, and he can't lie. He's, he can't. And so he just said, well, this might get me in trouble, but, yeah, they came to me and told me I'm not going to go anywhere. And, oh, by the way, that made me feel really good. This has been hard. He admitted that the tension and the uncertainty about his future has weighed on him, uh, and I think for those of us who've been around him, we know that that's true. Um, so I thought that that was a really good thing that they told him that, and I think it lifted the spirits of this team. That doesn't mean Franchi Cordero has an easier time grounding, fielding ground balls at first base, but I do think that it, it eases the weight on Xander. And by the way, how about that as a response? Like they tell him, hey, buddy, you're going to be here. We're not moving on from you. Let's make another push. And what does he do? He gets hot, and he has the biggest swing of the year last night with a three-run homer. So the mood is better. I think everybody just sort of realizes in the next, what is it, five days, stay afloat, win a couple more games. I do think those matter on the margins, and, and maybe this group gets some big-time additions and they can make one final push. Because, I, by the way, you know, when Roger Clemens says it, when the former manager Joe Morgan says it, when David Ortiz says it, all these guys keep sort of sending these bat signals into the universe to the Red Sox front office to say, hey, this group can still win, give them a chance, go get some pieces. And I think it's increasingly likely that that is going to happen. Do you think by not trading Bogarts, they now have to sign him in the offseason? I do. Um, but I've thought that for a long time, right? And, and I, I mean, he's just so important to everything that they do. Uh, he's the leader in the clubhouse. It, it makes it easier for them to keep Devers around if they do that. I, I just, you know, let's just see how it plays out, guys. I, I've said for a long time that, you know, all the numbers that, that people throw out there about Xander are not legitimate, 
right? I mean, I'm not saying he's not worth 250 or whatever it is. I just don't think it'll take that to keep him around. I know he's a Scott Boris guy, but he wants to be here. He loves it here. And even if he's discouraged and disappointed with the, the first offer, I just think both sides will have room and time to come together uh, to make that deal. So I, I think there's, there is interest in doing that on both ends, and I really think uh, that there's a number in the middle that can make that happen. And, well, you mentioned how you think maybe the team kind of responded and Bogarts clearly himself responded to the news that he's sticking around. But in the next four days, let's say Bloom does trade J.D. Martinez and yep. or Nathan Avaldi. Do you think it could also have the opposite effect and, and these guys kind of, you know, go in the tank a little bit? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, that, that, that one, the J.D. one is very interesting because, I mean, he's the middle of the, bat, middle of the order anchor that you need uh, to, to – to sort of give Bogarts and Devers some protection and keep the whole thing going. That, that would be an interesting one, and I don't think that – as much as I say they're going to go for it and, and add, I don't rule out the idea that maybe J.D. could be gone. Uh, he thinks so, um, and he's a pragmatist and a realist. Uh, it all depends to me on what they could get back for him. And if you can get you know, a longer-term major league piece – uh, that would be an appealing deal, I think, for the Red Sox. Uh, now, Xander is, has been vocal about needing J.D. around and wanting to make a push with, the, with this existing group. Uh, I just don't think it's quite that simple. Uh, I know they want to go for it this year, and I still think they can if they get like, – like, wouldn't you say, like, what if they went out and got a big first baseman who could swing it but also got a nice return back for J.D. Martinez? Wouldn't that be the kind of trade deadline? While, you know, it sends two kind of different competing signals, I still think the Red Sox could make their team better, as crazy as that sounds, while moving on from J.D. Martinez, who is going to be gone at the end of this year. If you got good pieces back that could even help you a little bit this year, uh, I don't think that, that it's impossible to, to, to get better even when moving on from See, a guy who's going to be gone. That one's tough for me. We've been talking about it this week. I feel like you got to be all in or all out yep. because if, if you had the first baseman, I think, okay, great, you're, you're going for me it. Too. But they're like, oh, but now we have a hold of it. Now we have who knows DHing, and J.D. Martinez, one of your three reliable hitters, yep. is now gone. No, I agree with you. I'm not saying yeah. I have all the okay. answers or that it's that no, black no, no. and white, but but I'm just saying I could envision a scenario where he is moved from and he's gone and you mm-hmm. still have a chance to do it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not I agree with you generally that that you know either go or don't. Uh, but but I'm I'm saying that knowing this front office and the way that they tend to do business, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some hybrid in between. How, how about Nathan Avaldi, Will, because especially with Chris Sale hurt again, that's a guy I'd love to have around long term. Keith and I even bandied about when a bunch of years ago the Red Sox trade or excuse me, the Yankees traded Araldis Chapman and then re-signed him in the offseason. Like, might that be a possibility? We don't hear that there's a ton of names in terms of starting pitching on the market. And that I, I know you need Avaldi, but could you get value for the guy? Where do you see that situation? Mm, that's a really hard one. Uh, again, a guy who really wants to be here. And so I do think there's a possibility that, it could, you know, like he bought a house in New England and he loves it here and his kids love being here in the summer. Uh, you know, they spend the off season down in Texas, but they love the rest of the year here. Uh, he's such a perfect fit, another natural leader in the clubhouse. The health stuff does worry you with the age and the, the surgery history. So it, it's hard to make some huge, massive, long-term commitment to a guy like that. But, again, I say sort of like with Devers, he's a guy who does it over and over again in the postseason, in the biggest moments against the New York Yankees. Those are the boxes you want to check. 
Um, and so somebody, like if you're a World Series contender right now, don't you think that that's the kind of guy that you would be willing to make a big if, – if Nate were actually available, mm-hmm. uh, let, who cares about the last three starts? He's just not himself yet. But, but if you assume that he's going to be right, he is about as valuable as any pitcher out there – of the rentals, I mean, not the Luis mm-hmm. Castillos of the world. But Nate would be about the most valuable rental. Uh, yeah, so what, how great a model would that be? If, like the, think about this. You know, the Yankees get Glaber Torres and the White Sox go on and, and get guys like Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for guys like Jose Quintana who aren't, don't amount to anything for them in the future. So these deals can be beneficial and you can still make a push and win. So I'd love to have Nate around for the rest of this year, but if they feel like they could get a ton back for him and then bring him back next year on a reasonable deal, uh, that kind of thing could be really, really good. Uh, as for tonight's game, Brian Bayo on the mound. It'll be his fourth start. The first three have not gone particularly well. But what do you what are you looking for out of him to see some sort of improvement? Strikes. I mean, early strikes. Like watching Cutter Crawford is what that dude should do on loop. Like just mm-hmm. sit in a black room and watch Cutter Crawford starts on loop in a video room because strike one matters so much. And by the way, we all need to remember that Brian Bayo just wouldn't be here were it not for the injuries and right. some of the other things in the rotation. So he's a kid still learning. I, I think he's going to be a really good major league pitcher. I really do. I think the stuff plays. We've seen enough at-bats. Like, look back at the Teoscar Hernandez at-bat last time against the Blue Jays in a huge spot, and he absolutely blows them away with fastballs and changeups. So the stuff is there, but the approach and the attack, the willingness to be in the zone has not been uh, and so I, I, that's the main thing for him. Stay in the zone. Trust yourself. N- enough of this nibbling, right? You, you, he just he gets himself in too many tough spots. He had some bad luck on soft ground balls that found their way through uh, in the first inning last time. But he's got to attack the zone. That's the main thing you watch for tonight. Is he willing to, to live in the zone? Because his stuff is good enough for him to be able to do that. Will Fleming, part of the Red Sox Network, and of course you can hear he and Joe Castiglione all weekend long. They got the Milwaukee series coming up this weekend right here on the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Will, thank you, friend. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you after the trade deadline next hey, week. thanks so much for giving me a, a little bit of time. I know it sounded a little uh, cheesy, but to all talk good. about a, yeah, a no, great buddy, all Joe. Good. And Keith and I were en- it was really Keith and I were enjoying it. John Anderson just wanted to try to hijack it. <laughs> take it over with I didn't like that very much but that's all right John <laughs> that's I mean, okay. you know, what's wrong with a little real human emotion by the way I've seen in all these NFL training camps there's all these push-up competitions I hope that at the end of your show today you guys Ooh. put on video let's have a push-up competition who it'd wins be between the two of you let's go it'd be I quick I'll, I'll, I'll pop a suture <laughs> blood will be everywhere everyone will be like what is going on Good awesome grief. guys thanks will, so much thanks, thanks you, man we appreciate it